All right, we have come to the final chapter in Mark's great opus. We're in Mark chapter 16 today, and this is our uh, grand finale episode of Chapter Chat for the Book of Mark. Are you ready to go out with a bang or with a whimper? Parting is such sweet sorrow, but let's do it anyway. All right, we're going to go out with a bang because Mark wants to end with a bang. So. Uh, we ended in chapter 15 on you know what is seemingly a very sad note, um, and that is the uh, crucifixion of Jesus and how his body is then taken down from the cross. Joseph of Arimathea places it in this new tomb, and um, and that's where we that's where we stop. And certainly, if uh, the gospel record had ended there, uh, this would be the saddest of stories. Um, yeah. And According to Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, um, we would be most pitied. We would be most pitied. We would be. We would look like idiots. We would all just be. Um, we'd be lost. That's actually what we would be. Is we'd be lost if the story ended with the crucifixion. In fact, everyone would be lost. Yes. Yes. Um, but the story does not end, and so chapter 16 is uh, the great finale to all of this. So let's just read a little bit. Chapter 16, verse 1. When the Sabbath was passed. Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome, they bought spices so that they might go and anoint Jesus. Uh, might I just say, um, there was intentionality here of waiting until after the Sabbath was concluded uh, for them to, to be doing the traveling over to where the tomb was. Um, that potentially was going to be a violation of the Sabbath law. Uh, doing the actual anointing itself, and it, this is this is really just kind of stuff that would go along with what we would call embalming, I guess. Yeah. Um, that probably would be considered work as well. So we're going to wait until the Sabbath is concluded, uh, until the next day of the week. And so verse two tells us that very early on the first day of the week. Yeah. You know they probably wouldn't be selling spices or anything. Like yeah, that that's either. right. Yeah. Um, so there's lots of reasons to we're going to have to wait to the first day of the week. And here's the here's the thing, um, there is great harmony in this idea of the first day of the week because some of the most important events happen on the first day of the week. Yeah. Creation began on the first day of the week, well, obviously. Well, kind of has to. Yeah. For... Um, the, the, the church was established on the first day of the week in Acts chapter 2. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, Spoilers. Yeah. Uh, in you know, you know, Paul's letter, he talks about um, you know, giving on the first day uh, of the week. Um, in Acts chapter 20, we read about the Christians coming together and observing the Lord's Supper on the first day of the week. And probably all of that, you think about that, all of that then is centered around this most important of events that happened on the first day of the week, and that is the resurrection of Jesus. Um, so very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? Let's just stop right there. These women, as uh, good and as faithful as they had been to Jesus, um, let's be clear, um, they didn't believe in the resurrection. Yeah, they, to they, this had, point. they had not understood they did not. what was going on. You know, we've, we've given the apostles a hard time for not, not getting it. Um, and we've commended these women for being so good and, and devoted to Jesus, but... 
uh, they didn't even understand this resurrection concept. Even Mary, you know, uh, this is Mary the sister of, of Martha who was anointing Jesus just a couple chapters back and you remember Judas and the other apostles saying, oh, that's just such a waste for doing that. Yeah. She, she understood that Jesus was going to die. She at least got that and that he was going to be buried. But I would venture a guess that she didn't uh, understand the, the resurrection just as none of these women uh, understood it. Um, and so they're contemplating about, all right, we've got to get in the tomb because that's where his dead body's going to be. Yeah. And they're thinking about, you know, who's going to roll away the stone uh, for us. Um, that says something about the size of this stone. Yeah, multiple people together couldn't roll this thing away. It's pretty yeah. big. Yeah, and... If you've ever, you know, been around determined women, you know, I've seen my wife, when she gets determined to clean the house, she can lift up that couch with one hand to vacuum under it. But these women, all three of them together, recognize um, we're not going to be able to. This is massive. I mean, we're talking about a boulder that maybe was, you know, maybe as much as a ton. Or, I, did, or I did not know Tiffany was that powerful, Josh. She can be. She can be. <laughs> under the right pressure. Yes. Um so they're wondering yeah. about, about who's going to be able to remove the stone because, again, they expect the, the dead body of Jesus to be inside. Verse 4, looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. And I like this little note from Mark. <laughs> it was very large. It was very large. <laughs> <clears throat> and entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side. I, I'll, I'll just say, I, I appreciate like the attention to detail here. Yeah. You know, Mark just saying, he was sitting on the right-hand side of the tomb. They remember that. And yes. Told them that probably. Yes. There's like these these little details that like you know I can. It's like when we talk about sometimes people talk about 9/11. I can remember exactly where I was on 9/11, what I was doing, who I was with. I was going to Walmart to buy the Nickelback yeah. CD and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, um, and this is one of those things where Mark and the other gospel writers do that too and provide their own little. Our listeners have no idea about the Nickelback CD. They do not. Um, <laughs> But anyway, uh, so they see this young man sitting on the right side. He's dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And when you couple this with what the other passages teach us, we, we, we're led to conclude this is an angel of the Lord. Yeah. Um, I mean, who else? Yeah. Um, and he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. I mean, those have to be probably... Possibly, maybe the three greatest words yeah. strung together in the whole Bible. Can you imagine them hearing this? Yeah. They were going, okay, I guess we should anoint his body, and he has risen. Yeah. Whoa, 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 what? Yeah. Humming, 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 humming. You, know, you, you have to wonder what? What, what, what maybe were the thoughts that was running through their mind when they walk in and they see the tomb is, that Jesus isn't there. And before he says these words, were they grave robbing? Yeah, or? did somebody rob? Did I mean? Did the did the Romans you know come in and move the body? Did you know any number of things? And then and then to hear these words, he has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. Um, I'm gonna just make a note here about Mark's gospel begins in chapter one with a great messenger of God telling people what God was going to do. And now Mark's gospel is bookended with another messenger of the Lord telling people what God has done. Yes. You know, John the Baptist is saying this is what's going to happen, and now we have this angel saying it has happened. 
um, God's work is now complete. He is risen. Just like Jesus said, it is finished. Yes. Um, he gives them further instructions, though, verse 7. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. i, I got to wonder where their faith is at at this point. You know, are they really, is he really going to be there, you know? Yeah. How are we supposed to believe this? Well, and I appreciate you bringing that up because I do think that the question of, of belief and unbelief uh, is really the, the unifying thought here in chapter 16 because we've already got some unbelief happening. You know, they arrived there at the, at the tomb that day not believing in the resurrection. Um, even when they initially hear these words from the angel, you know, I don't know how long it takes them for, for this to click. Um, but go and tell the disciples, who the disciples obviously, the reason they're not there is because they don't believe yeah. that he's going to be raised. Um, and then here in just a few minutes we'll talk even more about belief. Um, I, I do think it's really telling that the angel gave them instructions to, all right, go tell the disciples, go tell all those guys. But then he also specifically says, tell Peter. And I think there's a good reason for that because what was Peter doing just a couple of chapters back? You know, denying the Christ. Yeah, he's denying Christ, and um, probably you can only assume you know, he probably felt the worst of all of them. You know? Yeah, I mean, but, it said he wept bitterly. Yes, um, that maybe he had just failed the Lord in the worst. And the truth was, you know, Judas is the one who had failed the Lord in the worst way. But Peter realizes that in some sense, he and Judas, Judas didn't have that much. And different at that time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so... The only real difference was that he, he actually had godly sorrow about betraying Jesus. That's right. And, and, and that's part of the reason I think that the Lord it makes it clear through this angel, I need you to go tell Peter specifically. You yeah. tell him individually um, that I have been raised. Uh, tell him where to go because I want him to find me because I, I want to have the opportunity to talk with him. And when you go read the other accounts, you will find that Peter does get his own you know, one-on-one -on -one opportunity with, with the risen Savior. Um, Mark's not going to get into all that. Again, Mark's kind of singularly focused here on the idea of creating belief in the hearts of his readers. Yeah. Um, verse 8, So the women, they went out, and they fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Um, I actually preached on this earlier this year, about the idea of them being uh, afraid. Um, you know, wh why do you think they were afraid? You know, you, you would think... Uh, that maybe you know, people would just be jumping up and down. Oh, he, he, he's raised? Oh, yes. yes. Hallelujah. Great. Wonderful. Wonderful. Um, why do you think they would be afraid? Um, that's That kind of, I mean, I guess it kind of depends on what you mean by fear, but I mean, it says that astonishment and trembling mm -hmm. is accompanied with this, and it says that it seized them. I mean, honestly, I just picture this as being like a stammering sort of fear. Yeah. Like just you're staggered and taken aback that this kind of power even exists yes. at all. Because, I mean, that is, it's almost like why we're afraid of like aliens. Like we don't know what all sort of technology they might have or whatever. That scares us. It's like the un God is sort of an unknown in the sense that we don't understand how that works yeah. and whatnot. So it's just like... Man, you yeah. Know, how does that happen? I think this. It, it, I think you're right, and I think this is what you know. The scriptures in other places would describe as as a godly fear. Yeah. There's this this reverential awe of 
this is all right. We knew the Lord possessed power, but yeah. this this it's is so, a whole other level, so much higher than what we can fathom. Yeah, it's just insane. There's also there may even also be some of this. There there may have been some of this fear of uh, that was caused by again they still did not yet fully believe. And the truth is, um, I, I, I if if I were in their same shoes. It probably would not be until I actually saw Jesus with my own two eyes that maybe fully now faith uh, is is completely there. If I was in their shoes, yeah. Um, and so there's still some again, there's still some unbelief maybe kind of tinged in all like, of this. Like a lot of us, there's still doubts that need to be addressed. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, they saw him die. Right. So yeah, that, that's that's right. These and these women especially because they were there, you know, just a few feet away from him. Unlike all the other disciples who had ran away, they were there at the foot of the cross and was there um, seeing, you know, his body. They saw it probably being taken down from the cross. They saw it when it was being transported to the tomb. Yeah. Uh, so it's like they were the closest eyewitnesses to all of that happening. And so, yeah, it would take me aback, like what. This is like I saw him die. Yeah. yeah, did we not just go through all of those same steps like just you know a, a day ago? Yeah, I remember us standing right there and watching him put him in there, and they roll that over there. Um, so yeah, there would be just kind of some, if nothing else, just kind of some almost trippy thoughts in my mind, like how'd this happen? Yeah, am I even in my own body? What is this? this is and, a dream or something? Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, and those are those are the kinds of things that that I'll be interested to in heaven to get to pick the brains of of these women and you know tell us you know t- tell me what was going through your mind that day yeah that 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 glorious Sunday morning yeah you know walk me through that I would imagine it with this fear would be kind of a you know praise God <laughs> but yeah. also I mean I don't know I'm not in, it'd be good to talk to them. Well, verses nine then through twenty of this chapter. Um, if if um, well, most Bibles, if if they're like mine, are going to have uh, some maybe kind of notation, uh, a marginal note, uh, or like in the Bible I'm reading from, it's set off in brackets. Yeah. Uh, some Bibles maybe those these words from verses nine through twenty are set off in italics. Uh, all of those are indicators to let you know that there is some question. Um, about the veracity of these verses. Um, the, the long story short, and I'm going to deal with this probably in another occasion in, in, a, in a Q&A sermon uh, in more detail, but the long and short of it is that this section of verses does appear in some manuscripts, but our oldest and most reliable manuscripts that we have of Mark 16 do not actually include these verses. Yeah. And so that means that there is some question about whether or not these are authentic or is it possible that maybe just some scribe, some rogue scribe decided to kind of write some extra stuff in here. There's lots of stuff said about that, reasons why maybe we should question these verses. I'm just going to say just kind of in, in, in total here that I am totally okay with these verses being included in Mark. Yeah. Um, I mean, they harmonize perfectly with the rest of Scripture. Exactly. That's the main reason, is that they harmonize with the other gospel writers. There's nothing in these verses that change anything else about anything else that's that, that's taught or recorded in, in the other gospels or even in the whole rest of the New Testament. Um, and so I'm going to treat these as if they are Scripture. Yeah. Uh, I do think it's good. I will just say, again, for folks that sometimes get upset about you know, calling these verses into question. You know, how dare you set these verses off? Or some Bibles actually will just not include them. 
You know, they'll just leave them out and they'll say, well, you shouldn't be ripping verses out of the Bible. Well, what I want to say to folks about that is, um, shouldn't we also be equally concerned about someone potentially putting verses in the Bible that shouldn't go there? Yeah. So, yeah. so, so it's, it's, it, you, you can work either way with that. I think it's just best to just say we're not 100% sure about these. and just That's right. Yeah. That's right. So we're going to talk about them, and we'll talk about why we, why we do believe that these are valid things, and uh, we can believe uh, these words. So verse 9 picks up. Now, when he rose early on the first day of the week, talking about Jesus now, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. Neat little note there. Yep. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. But when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they would not believe it. What? Um, for those who like background on hymns, uh, the song, I Come to the Garden Alone, um, is supposedly, according to the hymn writer, it's based on uh, verse 9 yeah. about Mary Magdalene coming there to the garden uh, outside of the tomb and then having this personal interaction with Jesus. And when you read the lyrics of that song, okay, some of those words maybe kind of start to make better sense to you. I remember yeah. growing up when we'd sing that song, I would think, what I have, is this? I have no idea what we're talking about. Yeah. You know, and people have lots of, you know, their own personal ideas of what that song means to them or what they think it's talking about. But the hymn writer actually was meaning to for this to be kind of a, a, a first-person account from Mary's eyes of what it was like to see the Lord yeah. that day. I used to think it was some kind of weird parabolic Garden of Eden yeah. thing. It's kind of what I thought too. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, okay, I went out in the garden and Jesus was there and we, we talked and had a good day. and Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> um, but the, the key here is that, is that Mary then goes, you know, so she's, she's, she gets to be the first. She is the first. I mean, think about that. We talked a little bit last week about the role of women in the kingdom and how much uh, you know, sometimes they get underappreciated. Yeah. But the very first person who gets to see the risen Lord and then the very first person who uh, gets to be told by the Lord to go and to essentially share the gospel is a woman. Yeah. Um, and that's recorded for us. Her, her deeds are recorded for all time. And she does. She goes and she tells, tells those other people who are mourning and weeping. That, again, here's people that they didn't believe in the resurrection. And then even when she tells them that he's been seen alive by her, they still don't believe. Yeah, fair enough. Possibly. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe the thought is... Well, no, because Jesus told them over and over again he's going to raise. That's right. So, not really, but... Well, again, if I'm if I'm if I'm trying to place myself in those shoes, um, it'd be tough. Yeah, it'd be tough. I can't say that I would have immediately believed her either. Um, so we've got unbelief still happening here. Verse fourteen. Afterward, Jesus appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at table, and he rebuked them for their unbelief oh. and for their hardness of heart, because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. So let's just stop right there. So. These 11 have been, been told in various forms from various folks, uh, whether it was j just from Mary or maybe the word had trickled down, um, and they didn't believe it. And so Jesus rebukes them here for this. So we've got all of these different instances of unbelief. 
That then leads to verses 15 and 16, a couple of the most really important verses in Mark um, and are echoed uh, in you know, Matthew chapter 28. Uh, sometimes what we call this the Great Commission. Yeah. Um, and whether this happened right here while he's here at this table reclining with the apostles on this occasion or whether this is maybe a little bit later, I tend to believe this is probably a little bit later, um, but for, for the purpose that Mark's wanting to convey, Mark's wanting to convey the idea of we got to help people to believe. Yeah. They need to believe in the risen Savior. So what does Jesus tell those apostles to do? He tells them, I want you to go into all the world and I want you to proclaim the gospel, the good news. That is inclusive of the risen Savior. Yes. You go and tell that to the whole creation. And what are you to tell them, verse 16? That whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. Yeah. So one of the primary functions of the gospel, maybe, maybe I guess the primary function of the gospel, is to produce belief and faith in the hearts of people so that they will then act upon that belief uh, and specifically uh, that that will culminate in baptism, which leads to salvation. Yeah, and there's really, we, we have to understand, there's really no other way to take this than for what it is. Jesus says belief and baptism equal salvation. Yes. Obviously, the second half says if you don't believe, then you're going to be condemned, you're not going to be saved. And of course, that would be the case because if you don't have the baseboard, you can't build anything. Um, yeah. And... Uh, I'm not going to be baptized if I'm not going to believe, but the, that, that doesn't change the first half of the verse. Belief in baptism is going to lead to salvation. And like you said, that's a result of the, the saving faith that is produced from, from hearing the gospel, and, and, and that elicits a response. Yeah. You know, the, the argument that gets made about that, that second half, about where it says, well, it doesn't say whoever does not believe and is not baptized will be condemned. Um, you know, let's, 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 let's maybe bring that to 21st century and let's let's use a different analogy you know if some company or some prize giveaway thing said fill out this form yep and sign on the dotted line and you will receive a million dollars is there anyone who would look at that and think well I can fill out the form and I'll get the million dollars no one no one everyone would recognize I need to fill out that form and I need to sign on the dotted line. That's what it said. I'm, and I'm going to be very careful to do that. Yeah, because you I'll, want that million dollars. I want that million dollars. Yeah. And how much more then than this? I mean, this yeah. is more than a million dollars. This is salvation. This is going to heaven. Yeah. I want to be, I, I want to do exactly what that says. It seems as if what has happened is in the religious world today, so Jesus in this verse describes two categories of people. Yep. But what the religious, many in the religious world have, have done today is they have added a third category of people. So Jesus says there are people who believe and thus are baptized and so they are saved. Then he says there's a second group of people who are not going to believe and the implication is they're not going to do anything else beyond that unbelief and so they're not going to be saved. Yeah. But the religious world has added this third category that says that you can believe and you can be saved even if you're not baptized. Yeah. Um, you you got to do it. It's just later on. Yeah. Sometime you got to get around to this. But even many don't even, don't even add yeah. that qualifier. Yeah. That as long as you believe, as, you, as long as you just accept Christ in your heart or whatever their definition of that is, is that you can be saved. But what I just want to ask is, where is that in this verse? It's not. 
And where it's is that not. anywhere else in the New Testament? It's not. Um, yeah. And it's it's not by works that we're saved. It's important to say that that w- this oh, baptism yes. is not somehow meriting salvation. It's just simply a requirement that the Lord has put, like belief. Believing in God doesn't mean that you earn salvation either. No, no, uh, that doesn't make you a good enough person just because you believe in God. Uh, just like being baptized doesn't mean you're good enough for heaven. That's important to say too. Uh, and when we take in aggregate all the rest of what the New Testament goes on to teach about baptism, of course, Mark's not interested in giving a long dissertation about all the... Um, like a Roman 6. Yeah, the, the significance of baptism and, and what that's a representation of and uh, all these other metaphors that the Scripture teaches. Uh, Mark's just interested in just saying, that's what believing people do. Yeah. Is of course, they're just going to do what Jesus says. They're going to be baptized and the result is going to be that they're going to be saved. Yeah, and I think that would have been a lot more simple and straightforward for them reading this because there wasn't a whole lot of false teaching going around about these baptisms. Yeah. People just understood if you're going to be baptized, that's your commitment to Christ, and that it goes hand in hand together yeah. with salvation. Yeah. How neat would it have been to have been just amongst the original recipients of this and not have your mind polluted with all kinds of other false ideas about salvation that... Are so prevalent. I mean, there's zillions of methods of salvation Works today. Works-based salvation, faith <laughs> only, all this, you know, sinner's uh, prayer. This, yeah, um, all that stuff that you hear, altar calls and things like that. Yeah. That I heard growing up. Yeah. Uh, that just yeah, just back then you would have. I, I asked this of a pastor one time of, of of a different religious group. I asked him. I said, if you heard Peter preach this, it, whether it be whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, or uh, what he preaches in Acts 2 later on about be baptized uh, for the remission of your sins. I said, if you heard that, would you be baptized for the remission of your sins? Mm -hmm. And he said, no. Mm. And I said, so you'd disagree with Peter, and you'd stand up and say, no, sir. Uh, That that, that boggles my mind that there are people that can do that, but uh, it shouldn't because that's what I grew up with, you know. Yeah. But... There's, there's just power in the simplicity of, of really, of, of everything that Mark's presented through these 16 chapters, and it's, it's punctuated here with uh, a, a simplistic, um, you know, call from the Lord of how we go about receiving the gracious gift that, that He offers to people. And these are the words of Jesus. And I think when we get to this point, if we've really been honest with the book of Mark up till this point, when we hear Jesus say, you know, fill out the form, sign on the dotted line, believe and be baptized, and you'll be saved. If we really have been walking with Jesus up till this point, and we're not, we're not bringing any preconceived notions to the table, mm-hmm. then when He says this, we're just going to do it. No questions. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's all we're asking uh, folks to do is like, let's just be, let's just read the text. You know, you've gotten to where. Um, like I do, like I like to just if I'm sitting down with somebody studying for the first time, maybe they're this is the first encounters they've had with the Bible. Mark's a great place to just let's just work from Mark, and uh, let's just appreciate um, the, the 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 simplicity with which Jesus works and what He calls upon us to do, and and really even just what Mark is calling upon us to do, and that is, I've laid out the evidence. I began by telling you the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now I'm going to just lay out a, a quick case as to why you ought to believe that. And here's Jesus going to punctuate it all by saying, okay, if you believe it, here's what you're going to do. Yep. You're going to be baptized and be saved. 
and become a disciple. And then actually once you become a disciple, then that stuff in verse 15 uh, becomes really important for you to do. And that yep. is you then go and you share that with other people. It's a cycle. Yes. And is this, this I always describe it as the, chain, the great chain of teaching. It's a cycle of disciples. That's right. That's right. There's this thing that began here 2,000 years ago and now this long chain, we are now in that chain. And we are then entrusted with the next round of chain building for however long the Lord allows the world to, to stand and for the gospel to continue to, to be spread. That then leaves us with this final little section, verses 17 through 20, which always uh, generates lots of <laughs> discussion. discussion and excitement and questions and curiosity. And sometimes when misinterpreted causes people to be bitten by snakes and die. It does. So let's <laughs> read those. Verse 17, Jesus says, And these signs will accompany those who believe. That's important. So now we're talking about people who do believe. These are things that are going to confirm and point forward to the things that, uh, that are being done. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and they preached everywhere, exactly as Jesus had told them to do back in verse 15. Yes. While the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message, confirmed the message by accompanying signs. So then the things that Jesus had said in verses uh, 17 and 18, that then follows. And of course you read in the book of Acts, you read in some of the epistles, like in the letter to the Corinthians, um, these, these very signs, these you know, we call them spiritual gifts, uh, the the miraculous abilities that they had um, comes true. Um, we maybe don't get you know a whole lot of illustrations of the picking up snakes or the drinking deadly poison stuff. But certainly the other things we get lots of examples of later in the New Testament, speaking in tongues, casting out demons, healing the sick. Yeah. Um, but, but those things, I mean, again, the, these are signs, Jesus says, and they point to something. What are they pointing to? They're pointing to the teaching that these disciples are delivering. And they are, verse 20, confirming the message that they were delivering. This is what let people know that these guys, well, what they're delivering, this is, this is truth. This is gospel. And that's, that's the benefit that we have. You said if we were in the shoes of the disciples at the end of this book here, we'd be like, well, I'm going to need a little bit more evidence, really. You know, I'm going to have to see the Lord risen or etc. Kind of like D Doubting Thomas. But then... We have like the rest of the whole New Testament yes. of just signs, signs, seals, stamps, confirmations yes. that this is the truth. You know, if, if Mark, um, Mark 16, if these verses were the only thing that the Bible said about you know, the, the, the signs and so forth, then I, like, like many people today, I would probably be looking for the, for us to have some of those signs and those miraculous abilities to be able to still do them. But yeah. the truth is, this is not the last word about these uh, spiritual gifts. You're going to have to add to this other passages. You read in Acts chapter 8, well, how did people get those spiritual gifts? Yep. Well, Acts 8 shows us they got it by the laying on of the apostles' hands. And yep. so I'm going to then be looking around, okay, well... Where are the apostles? Where are the apostles? They're not here to lay hands. You're going to have to introduce into the discussion First Corinthians 13 of that course. talks about that there is there's an expiration date 
for those spiritual gifts. Because they will cease. They will cease, and that all would cease uh, when the complete, the complete, the perfect, the full revelation of God's Word was finally delivered. And because that was, at that point, people need to understand, that's the point that the message was confirmed. Yes, that's right. And people then, again, we got to remember in the first century, they didn't have the luxury of having you know, Genesis to Revelation sitting in their laps like we do right now. Um, and so um, they had to have these guys who were orally transmitting the word. Letters started to be circulated, but while all of that's still in process, these signs helped confirm the messenger, that yeah. these guys are, are legit uh, and that this message really is from God. And so when you take all of that into account, then th then you start to realize, okay, these gifts then that the Lord was talking about here were obviously not for every believer, and that means not even for every believer even today. And furthermore, that those gifts, you know, they were only for a set period of time. Um, I do find it interesting, you know, you talk about the snake handling thing. Yeah. There are still lots of the, the, the snake handling churches and groups, especially throughout the, the Appalachian region in which we live. Yeah. It is of interest to me. I have never yet seen a poison drinking church. Yeah. Lots of snake handling churches still in existence. No poison drinking churches. It's odd. Yeah. Yeah. Seems like for consistency's sake we would we would see some of those, but we don't we don't. That's true. And the the reality is that those verses in seventeen and eighteen are flashy. And yeah. they're cool, and that's what allures people's sight is, oh, that's, that's really neat. You know, uh, and sometimes, I, I know I've seen it before, people make a million excuses, but they just don't want to study the Word. Mm -hmm. and they don't want to focus on the, 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 the Word and how it, Hebrews 4 and verse 12, how it's cutting, cutting them to the heart and how mm -hmm. it's d dividing the, the marrow and the spirit and how it's, it's, it's convicting them. So we get into all this pomp and circumstance, and we have ourselves a big show and a big hoedown or hootenanny or whatever word you want to put there, and then we just pat ourselves on the back and say, well, we got our religion done. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, a, that's a McDonaldized Christianity is what that is. It's yeah. fun. Yeah. You know, but it's not productive to producing a mature and a faithful Christian. It's, a, yeah. it's childish is what it is. Yes. You know, when Jesus said there in verse 15... That's according to 1 Corinthians 13. I'm not saying that pejoratively. That's, no, that's, that's, that is what, that's what Corinthians says, yeah. Um, you know, when Jesus says in verse 15, proclaim the gospel, okay, that means preach, that means teach, which means that the recipients, we're going to have to use our minds. And you know what? That's not always like fun yeah. and entertaining the way it would be to see somebody handling a snake. I wouldn't use the word entertainment, but it can be fun. It can be, yes, yeah. but um, not in the not not when you're you know laying alongside you know someone who's playing with a snake yeah. or somebody who's allegedly drinking poison. Um, it, yeah. Christi Christianity is is in the mind, and mm -hmm. and it requires us to engage our minds and to put them to use and to. Um, to, to take the information that has been presented, and then we need to work with that, and that's that's where faith comes from. You know, faith comes by hearing the word of God, and so maybe that's probably kind of the, the 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 final note that Mark would want to issue to his to his readers is, okay, in light of everything that I've told you, what do you think? You know, we need to realize that what Mark has presented here, and actually what Matthew and Luke and John present, is this is an eyewitness account. Yes. I'm not asking you to believe something that was handed down from like 
you know, two or three second-hand, third-hand, fourth-hand account. These are eyewitness accounts. We saw the Lord alive. Yeah. Uh, we're not asking you to believe it based on you know any other means other than an eyewitness account. Sometimes when people talk about the resurrected Lord, they want to argue from the basis of the empty tomb. You know, the tomb was empty. Okay, that's yes, the tomb was empty, but that's not the reason that we believe Jesus is the Son of God. Yeah. The reason we believe Jesus is the Son of God is because people saw the resurrected Savior. Yeah. There were people like Mark. There are people like Luke and Matthew and John. There are people like Peter and Mary. And there Paul. are people like Paul. 500 people in Galilee, 1 Corinthians 15 tells us. There were more than 500, at least 500 different witnesses who saw, testified, and that is the basis for our belief. And really that's, that's the basis for uh, anything that we believe, even just in history. Yeah. You know, I believe that, that there was a guy named Julius Caesar who, you know, r ruled in Rome. People saw him. Because people saw him. I believe Abraham Lincoln was a president because yeah. people saw him and they wrote that down and they spread the word and they shared that. That is why we believe. It is not a groundless, baseless belief in some, you know, some story or some myth. Um, yeah. It's because real people who lived at a real time saw him really alive. And and yes, and add this to the mix. Here's the here's the real kicker to this. If you put my head on a on a platter, or, or on a on one of those executioners benches, you know, to have it lobbed off there by like a guillotine, mm -hmm. and I've seen, you know, uh, President Trump on TV, and and I know he's a person. Yeah. All right, but if you say deny that you've seen President Trump. Or you're gonna, or or you're gonna die. I've never seen him a day in my life. Yeah. Who is that? Right. What? Right. You know. But these people died. Yep. To testify to the resurrected Lord. Yes. That's in history. Yep. It's undeniable. People were martyred. They were crucified, hung upside down on crosses. Yep. Ripped limb from limb, burned alive, on and on, tortured, imprisoned. You name it. Because they believed that the, they saw the Christ. Yeah, they, this wouldn't be the, some buy-in on an imposter or some maybe kind of I saw a little silhouette in the woods one time or something. This is people that are certain, mm -hmm. and so it's more compelling yes. than like Julius Caesar or right. George Washington right. or whomever. And Not that we don't believe that those people. Were I real. do believe we do. they were real, yes. but if you put my head on, I don't the know stake, of anybody that was willing to die to to prove their faith in, in George Washington. <laughs> you know, so that's important to say, and uh, and it's like you said, Josh. I mean, well, I mean, if you have this and if you understand that, then I mean, what are you going to do with it? Yeah, yeah. There's if 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 you're if, if you're a Christian, all right. The 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 logical thing is, all right. I I need to do what Jesus said there in verse 15. I need to go and tell others about it. And if I'm not a Christian, um, then the evidence is overwhelming to say, uh, I need to I need to actually just do what Jesus said to do, and that is, I need to believe and be baptized, and I need to be saved. Um, and let's just say, since this is our final our final. Um, installment here that if there's if somebody's listening they've got questions about that want to study about that need some help with that uh our contact information is linked to the to the podcast page and we'd be more than glad to sit down and and study or if you're somewhere far away we'll find you know a christian somewhere yeah uh, that can be able to, to to get with you and to help you i'll personally video in with you call you 
talk to you about. I mean, we've walked. I'll with, go buy a plane ticket and fly to where they are. Okay, congratulations, Josh. You're very <laughs> sacrificial, but um, uh, th- just the uh, <laughs> just just whatever it takes to to accurately uh, describe and and explain what what the walk of a Christian should look like to you and help you with any struggles that you've had. Um, I know that that. For example, Josh and I come from different backgrounds. I came out of uh, false religion. Uh, I believed that I was saved for a while, and I wasn't. Um, and uh, Josh was raised in a Christian home and grew up knowing the truth from an early age. And regardless of where you're coming from, if you're totally irreligious, if you come from from maybe a religion that doesn't fall exactly in line with what we've talked about from the New Testament, or or maybe you have some questions of whether or not Jesus would really endorse it, or maybe you're just totally, uh, maybe you are Christian and and, but but you're struggling really bad. Whatever it is, we're we're we want to help you. Yep. Um, Well, the the funny thing is um, is this is probably going to be our shortest episode. Um, (laughs) All of our others were usually hover around an hour and so we're doing we're making pretty good time today uh i will just say since this is uh the conclusion of our studies in mark we've appreciated folks that have listened and folks that have either sent us messages or told us in person that they've been listening along and uh have uh, enjoyed getting to to kind of take this journey with us i've had folks that have told me that they actually were using using these podcasts as kind of the the, the springboard for their for their Bible studies, yeah. you know, uh, in, and that's humbling. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, and and really, all this is is just it was two guys sitting in a room, just you know, doing what we tend to do on a regular basis anyway, and that is talk about spiritual things and talk about the Bible. And so, uh, we're glad that uh, others, you know, wanted to be a fly on the wall to hear those conversations. And uh, if 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 at any point there's been anything that's been said or um, you know, suggested that maybe is questionable, or uh, or if we've just missed it in some way, we would certainly be glad to uh, restudy and reconsider those things. And you help us. We didn't sit down with any kind of pretense that we know everything about Mark. Uh, we we were um, just glad to get to. Uh, to do this together and to be able to share the fruits of our studies with other people. So any parting words before we sign off? It is nothing but love for everybody. So thankful and appreciative that this uh, has been able to happen. And uh, let's just go out and do what Jesus said and spread the gospel. Yeah. Eka, I'll I'll just give an amen to that. Thank you so much for uh, being a part of this.